With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. I'm tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler. Excited to be here with you. Wow. I can't believe we're already into the middle of January. Welcome to the show today, January 20th, 2015. We've got an awesome show planned. I'm uh, your host, Mark Kohler, entrepreneur, author, small business owner, and yes, uh, Scoutmaster. Love being here with you. I'm uh, I, uh, so excited. Um, to be talking about small business with you today. We've got a great show planned. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about autos, the best strategy for your RV, truck, auto. We've got a a wonderful guest coming on, Svanderson from Work Camper and RVIC uh, down in the desert in Texas. uh, He had a huge RV show. He's going to be joining uh, joining us to talk about the strategies that can be uh, in, uh, implemented with an RV. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. So lots and lots of good stuff. When it comes to your vehicles, this is going to be our vehicle show. We're going to break it down. It's ironic, too, this morning I just had a conference call with a client at 9 a.m., and one of their primary questions was, how do I write off my truck, my car? I've got a lease. I've got a purchase. i got this. i got that. And it's a very common uh, topic for many small business owners to be frustrated about and trying to find the best method to deduct their vehicle. So we're going we're gonna to jump into that uh, here shortly, but I'm excited you're here with us today. Thank you so much for listening in. I know many of you catch this via podcast, um, sometimes the evening or a few days after the show. Uh, so let me make a few announcements that I think are important for everybody listening. We've got some great articles in the newsletter this week. Uh, one of them, um, written by yours truly, was how to deduct your website costs. Uh, before you write the check and engage with a third-party website developer, how are you going to deduct those costs? Um, are they amateurized? Are they written off all at once? Uh, are they a 179 deduction? You'd be shocked that it's actually quite tricky. And the more money you spend on your website, the bigger target it comes for a line item audit with the IRS. So if you're spending a lot of money on ongoing website development, uh, design, or you're launching a new small business, it could even fall into the category of a startup cost. So with your website cost, check out that article. It'll open your eyes to your options, and you're going to want to talk to your uh, accountant about what to do with the, the, uh, the website costs. Uh, Matt Sorensen wrote an article on IRAs and annuities. One of the, uh, oh, I don't know, pet peeves of both Matt and I are, those folks that put annuities inside an IRA. It's like a tax-preferred vehicle within a tax-preferred vehicle. Um, I'm not going to say any more, except Matt breaks down the pros and cons of such a strategy in his article. Please look into it. I think you'll find it uh, very, very interesting. Um, There's also some online uh, QuickBooks discounts for uh, the online edition of QuickBooks, also the desktop edition. We don't make any money on this, but as a QuickBooks Pro Advisor firm, we can get you some discounts if you're buying QuickBooks. QuickBooks and Intuit sells more accounting software education in the month of January. 80% of their accounting software sales are in January. So I know many of you are shopping to get your books in order, which of course brings up my QuickBooks basics, 
video series uh, on training. I know uh, we have many, many of our clients that are already watching those videos. I'm shooting updates for those videos here as soon as we get through January. You'll get those free of charge. You have lifetime access to any QuickBooks webinars, QuickBooks videos that I shoot in the future on how to scan, how to use your smartphone, and use QuickBooks with um, um, all these little you know, new techniques that come out. So those are all in that video series. I kind of joked about in the newsletter. I, I said, uh, if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, I, I talked about how my teenagers, when they're grounded or they want to earn money, they have to sit down and watch my QuickBooks training videos. And yes, it, it's torture for them. They hate it. But if they want to earn money for the weekend, so uh, they've got to go through that process. But two years later, it has paid off. And my kids, my two girls now that are 18, I have twins, they, uh, they're just shocked at how um, they've now realized that knowing QuickBooks makes them more mar marketable. Uh, one of my daughters just got a, a wonderful job working for one of our important clients as a personal assistant doing QuickBooks in conjunction with other tasks. And the main reason she got the job is because she knows QuickBooks. And she was like, really? That's that important? And, and this business owner's like, heck yeah, I need you inputting data and da 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 da. And she's like, okay. And so she rushed home and actually rewatched my videos, and this time she paid attention. So <laughs> she's been learning QuickBooks. It was kind of fun Sunday night. She's like, Dad, will you show me how to do this on QuickBooks? And it brought tears to my eyes. I had to start crying because I couldn't, I couldn't take it. It was so special sitting down and working on QuickBooks with one of my children. Okay, that was cheesy. Anyway, so uh, QuickBooks Basics, I think some of you uh, that haven't already got that, please look into it. There's a link on the newsletter. I know many of you already have it. Uh, some great videos, um, so some good uh, tax updates, and there's some standard mileage rate numbers that I'm going to go over here in a bit. Those are on the newsletter as well. So check out the newsletter. Uh, this weekend, for those that are in the Chicago area, I'm going to be leaving the uh, Southern California uh, weather to go to balmy Chicago in January to uh, do a little presentation on QuickBooks Friday night and then a, a pretty much a half-day workshop on Saturday on tax strategies for 2015, including Obamacare and healthcare. So if you're interested in coming to that, uh, be a guest of mine on uh, Saturday. I would love to have you. And uh, just send me an email or justin at markjkohler.com. It's on the newsletter. Matt Sorensen in February has an event in Phoenix. I'm in Miami on February 4th. And then... Uh, Oh, and I've got to adjust this uh, February 26th and 28th date for Matt. It's over a month out, so I'll fix it. But that's actually in San Diego, not Phoenix. He's going to be speaking at the Note Investor Summit. For those that are investing in notes, incredible three-day training on how to invest in notes, how to make money in notes. It's February 26th through the 28th in San Diego. Who, who doesn't want to go to San Diego in February? So. Okay, check that out. Well, anyway, folks, I'm so glad we've got, a, boy, a lot of listeners today. I can see you all in the chat line already and live callers. Welcome to the show. If you've just joined us, my name is Mark Kohler, your host, and we're going to jump into a couple little tax and legal tips from some of our regular contributors and then uh, focus on the auto car truck strategies. I want to try to summarize a few points there. And then uh, we'll be welcoming our guest, Steve Anderson, president of Work Camper and RVIC, uh, Recreation Vehicle Inspection Connection. You guys are going to love what he has to share. It's going to blow your mind. It's so fascinating. So uh, first, we, it's first come, first serve. So we got Chet that beat uh, Jerem to the, the punch today with his call in. So uh, Chet, uh, Chet Dalton, one of our uh, CPAs at the firm. Well, I should say CPA in training. He's one of our superstars. He's got a, a few more tests to take, but he He's uh, been a huge asset to clients around the country uh, for many years. Chet, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. I know tax season's heating up, so you're probably starting to feel the heat a little bit. Yeah, we're getting there, absolutely, for sure. It's definitely on the horizon. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, I want to... Um, I, in fact, Chet, well, if you can let me digress here for just a quick minute, I want to make this announcement for everybody. We have... Uh, and full disclosure, it's always important. I, it's probably me. I wear all my emotions on my sleeve. We have grown pretty quick at K&E over the years, and uh, there's been some good years and bad years. We've had some ups and downs with uh, the workload and trying to juggle it all. And this year, um, there's certain clients that have already been in the system or are working on specific projects that – uh, we're going to take you and put you right into our tax prep system. But other than that, we've got uh, a waiting list, and we're just waiting for this first few months to get under our belts here and see what our workload is. 
We don't want to just take on clients and then provide poor service. We want to wow you. And so if you're looking at coming over to our firm this year for your 2014 tax prep, please call and talk to Sandy Clark. She can give you the details on whether or not we can take you on as a client right now or put you on a little waiting list until we get through the extension period. And if you don't have confidence in your CPA now or your accounting or maybe you've been doing your own TurboTax prep and it's time to upgrade, uh, please talk to Sandy. Um, see what our options, your options are with us and our options are with you. We would love to work with you, uh, but we're not going to grow too quick this year. We've got a really good team, and we don't want to break their backs. And every time I hear Chet's voice, I want to say that because poor Chet has just been through the ringer over the years. And so, uh, anyway, Chet, fair statement, right? Any thoughts you want yeah, to add to that statement. little? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, uh, I've been here for the majority of the ups and downs, and uh, you know we tend to see him through. Yeah, it's brutal. Well, thank you, Chad. Okay, so you got a tip for us this week. What do you got? Yeah, absolutely. Today, you know, I've had a few clients recently one that wanted me to shed some light on the home office deduction. It's fairly simple, but but there's a couple ways that we can take it. And I just kind of wanted to bring out some nuance of the deduction, explain a couple of different ways that we can take that deduction, and uh, you know, some of the things that you need to keep track of in order to take that deduction. Um, the home office essentially you've got one of two you've got two options when taking it uh, the first option is is something that they introduced i believe a couple years ago two years ago or one and that's just the flat fee deduction it's based on the square footage of your home office um, that deduction is five dollars per square foot up to 300 square foot of space so uh, essentially you basically measure your your home office apply that rate and take that deduction there that typically and works really well go ahead oh i was just going to intercede i sorry i thought you were pausing i'll just say this they sometimes turn that now the simplified method uh rather than the flat method if i may interject if some of you have heard that um that simplified method is nice because it's simple it's easy you don't have to take a percentage of your mortgage payment and interest and all that um utilities it's just five dollars times three hundred fifteen hundred dollar deduction boom um, yep, that's my thought. I just want to add that chat. But go ahead. Yep, absolutely. That's that's pretty much it. That works well typically when the taxpayer hasn't uh, done the best at recording all of those expenses that you apply that rate to. Um, the traditional way of taking the deduction is uh, by essentially coming up with a proration based on your entire home um, as compared to the home office. So if you have a thousand square foot home and a hundred square foot office, you've got a ten percent proration. That proration essentially is applied across the household costs and, and what it costs to maintain the household. Um, those costs typically include uh, your mortgage interest or your rent if you're a renter, um, property tax, any type of insurance for the property, including renter's insurance, obviously utilities. Um, and then some of the ones that we may not see as often would be like security costs, HOAs, um, if you do any repairs to the home, not necessarily improvements, but we may be able to, to take a portion of those repair costs too. Um, obviously, with, with the traditional method, you've, you've got a little bit more requirement to keep track of, of that information. Um, so, you know, certainly as we come up on tax season here, you may want to start looking through your utility bills if you haven't been tracking it. Um, and uh, start keeping that information so where you can apply that rate. If you would rather not bother and you have a pretty good square footage and you don't necessarily think that you're going to get much of a deduction anyway, um, let's go with the simplified rate, and uh, we can we can certainly push that along a little quicker. Well, I love it. And now, if I could add a third option, if I may, uh, and folks, this is for those that own an S-corporation. If you have an S corporation, doing a home office becomes a little more precarious because how can a corporation have a home? So what it becomes is a home office reimbursement to the employee, which is you. So it allows us to uh, streamline the process and take a flat fee per month reimbursement that you could write a check monthly, do a check annually, but go through that paper trail process of writing yourself a check for the home office deduction throughout the year. If you just took draws throughout the year and you never specifically wrote yourself a check, we can recategorize some of those draws as a home office reimbursement. And the amount of that home office reimbursement is going to vary based on, again, the size of your home office and this and that. And we have to be careful because if you have a brick-and-mortar business location other than your home, 
then we can't do the home office reimbursement typically. We've got to be cautious of that, but we might write off your home office inside your LLC where you have your rental business or other areas. So there are so many options. I chat, I'm glad that you bring this up. And folks, I've actually recorded a couple of YouTube videos on this. Those that want to go to my YouTube channel, you can watch a video on this. Um, there's a whole webinar on this in the SWA webinar series um, and in the tax and legal CFO in a box series. So, folks, we'll, we'll get you the info on this. But it is a little tricky, and uh, we want to just make sure everybody takes it. I, Chad, what, any thoughts on that S-Corp strategy that you'd add to that? Nope, you, you pretty much hit it spot on. I guess one thing that I would like to add, uh, one requirement of the home office, like you had said, um, as far as you, it's got to be your primary place of business. Um, you also have to have exclusive uh, use of that. We can't have a home office that's used for two or three businesses, or it can't be your, your home office for your personal finances and what have you. It definitely does need to be dedicated space for that business. Well, perfect. I like it. And, and of course, it is a kind of a... Um, uh, <sighs> A creative area. It's uh, I, a, a, not gray, uh, but it, it's uh, an area where there's a lot of latitude, and you've got to be cautious and careful yet aggressive. So, folks, here's my bottom line point on this, and then we'll move to our next tip for the day, is that if your accountant's saying, stay away from the home office deduction, it's a high-risk item, you got the wrong accountant. There is certainly something to be had here, and it can save you thousands of dollars. Uh, certainly over several years period, it can even it can get really add up, the savings. So don't be afraid to take it. Uh, just do it in a strategic manner. So, Chet, thank you. Great comment. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's Chet Dalton. <laughs> thank you. Chet Dalton, a small business owner himself. We've talked about his small business, uh, a pressure washing, and uh, he does that in the evenings and weekends, and he uh, also is a huge asset here at the firm for us. So, folks, if you're a small business owner and want to get an accountant, you can even ask to work with Chet when his schedule allows. So thank you, Chet. Absolutely, Mark. Have a good day. You too. And uh, without any further ado, let's bring our other expert. We've got Jerem Bergeson, who is also our – he is our NFL uh, sports commentator, and he also runs our NFL pool at the office. Did I say pool? Oh, yeah, but all the money goes to charity, right, Jerem? That's right. Nothing but charitable <laughs> contributions. That's right. So for those that are doing an NFL pool in your office and the Secretary of State uh, – no, <laughs> sorry, the Attorney General in your state says they're going to crack down on office pools, I just want to <laughs> put on the public record we are donating ours to charity. So there's <laughs> – well, Jeremy, I'm so sorry your teams didn't end up in the Super Bowl, did they? No, no. They uh, The Broncos certainly flamed out early in the playoffs, so it was it was sad. But I'll, I'll make it. Uh, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. So, okay, now folks, if you don't know this, we're just since it is Super Bowl two week prep time, I'm just going to wow you right here, okay? Because there's no way Jerem can do this fast enough on his computer. So, Jerem, take your hands away from the computer. All right. Why don't you tell us some? St okay, folks, this is going to blow you away. Jerem, tell us some statistics on Super Bowl fourteen. Super Bowl fourteen was the – let me make sure I get the right one in my head. Yeah, that was uh, the Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers over the Los Angeles Rams. I don't remember the final score. It was something like 31-16, to 31-18. Steelers won that. The, the, the MVP of that Super Bowl was Terry Bradshaw. Um, yeah, that's, that's basically what I know about Super Bowl fourteen. The last of the Steelers four Super Bowl championships in the 70s. Oh, I love it. Well, <laughs> you're awesome. And I, I, I uh, chose that year – or no, sorry, that, that early period because I was a huge Rams fan as a kid, and my brother was a Steelers fan. So, okay, folks, I know you're here for tax and legal strategies, but if you ever want to quiz Jerem on a factoid from the Super Bowls of prior years, he has them on the tip of his tongue. It's exciting. Okay, Jerem, legal tip for us. What do you got? Well, you know, I had a, a client come in, or they didn't come in, they called in a couple weeks ago, um, and the, the issue was that they had invested in um, 
some oil wells down in Texas, um, and the, the opportunity was brought to them by by a close friend. Uh, the the friend had invested in this and was was telling them, you know, hey, you need to get involved in this. We're going to make a ton of money. Um, they got involved. Um, they they invested money personally and through retirement accounts uh, in what they thought was a, a a producing well or what they call resource drilling. Well, it, it turns out after months and months of not getting any money that this wasn't resource drilling. is what they call exploratory or wildcatting drilling, um, and that it was a dry hole. Uh, they weren't going to make any money, and they were coming to me uh, to try to figure out how to get their money back. And we're we're still going through that, and there may be some ways to go about this, especially because they were misled as to the type of drilling that that was there. But it it got me thinking about, you know, we talk, uh, we deal with a lot of clients who are trying to raise money and a lot of folks who are tra- trying to raise money and, and, and bring on investors, and we help them do that correctly. But uh, by the same token, there's a lot of folks out there that maybe don't want, uh, they're not in a place where they want to raise the money, but they have some money that they want to invest. And you really have to be careful um, who you invest with. So I wanted to talk a little bit about avoiding um, what we call affinity fraud uh, when it when it comes to investing uh, your hard-earned dollars with 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 folks. I, I love that affinity fraud. I, I um, I'll, I'll I'll just put another twist in that. And of course, I know you're going to go into a couple of these points, which I'm I I was. I didn't expect you to bring this topic up, but it's such a sensitive one. And affinity fraud is, of course, getting into a deal with friends or family, church members, neighbors, someone that preys on your personal relationship and says, don't you trust me? I would never right. let you down. I'm your friend. And right. they look like they're rich. They look like they're successful. So you just go for it without any written documentation. What are some things to look out for there, Jeremy? I mean, well, the, the the first thing I would say is just because it's someone that you trust or that's from a group that you trust, maybe they're a member of the same church that I am or same ethnic group or they participate in this charity or I know them from X, Y, or Z, just because of how trustworthy they may they may seem, that doesn't mean you shouldn't check out everything about the the opportunity that they're bringing you when i say check out everything there should be written documents there should be offering documents with disclosures and risk factors and possible conflicts of interest Um, ask them questions and one big question i would ask uh, somebody who brings you this sort of some sort of investment opportunity a real key question is is this opportunity, is this investment, is this offering uh, registered with the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission? They may likely say no, and and if they say no, that may still make it okay. There are lots of private offerings that aren't quote-unquote registered with the SEC, but the follow-up question when they say no is, okay, what exemption or what exception are you relying on? There are exceptions to the need to register an investment opportunity with the SEC. If you ask them that question, okay, what exception are they relying on, are you relying on? And they have no idea what you're talking about or they can't tell you. Um, that's a huge red flag um, because if they're not registered with the SEC and they're not relying on some sort of exception to that need to register an offering, um, then then basically what they're selling you is an unregistered security that's illegal to sell uh, under the SEC regulations. Well, I I think um, that sounded very technical. I hope so, no one driving down the road eating a hamburger fell asleep. No offense, Jerem, to your, your – no, that was technical. That was good. You needed to say all that. <laughs> Some people listening to this on the recording are going to go back and listen to that again. I, I And I think that's it an excellent point that needs to be brought up is that whenever you feel like you're a silent investor and you don't have a lot of control or say that word right. security should should just flash up in your mind and little hairs on the back of your neck should go up but i think the bottom line point is this if it, from my perspective is that if anybody approaches you friend family member church member neighbor and says hey come invest with me you say great thanks let me take this to my attorney and my yep. accountant and just get a second opinion and they may go, what, you don't trust me? No, 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 I trust you. It's just I promised my, my professional team that I would never do an investment without having them at least look at it for 20 minutes. Right. And that, that gives you a way out. It can make you not look like a jerk. 
and that right. CPA and attorney you're, both can give you some feedback on what to be aware of. I don't know, Jerry. Right. What do you think? No, I think I think that's an excellent way to go about it. Is is just to to, to have an attorney, uh, even a, a CPA or accountant, but um, somebody that's uh, familiar with these laws to to take a look at the documents. And if and that's a big red flag, is if they say, well, we haven't had time to reduce this to writing or or something like that. That's a gigantic red flag. If there isn't anything for for us to to review, I wouldn't invest. Yeah, great point. Well. Uh, Jerem, great topic. I think this is so important to bring up the issue of um, affinity fraud. And folks, be careful with those you invest with. And uh, in fact, it's almost better when you're investing with friends or family that you get it in writing and go through those procedures so you don't ruin your relationship. So, uh, Jerem, excellent. Thank you so much. Um, if uh, We are looking forward to you designing our board for our Super Bowl pool, and we ap- appreciate all you do in the firm for our our legal services, too. That's kind of helpful, too. So thanks, Chair. <laughs> Appreciate it, Mark. Thanks. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Folks, that's Jerem Bergeson. If you need to reach him at the law firm, it's Jerem, J-A-R-O-M, not Jerome, but Jerem at kkoslawyers.com. Uh, that's Jerem, J-A-R-O-M, at kkoslawyers.com. Okay, well, folks, I want to hit a couple uh, points here on writing off your auto vehicle and truck before we get over to um, the uh, our main guest, Steve Anderson, uh, to talk about the RV aspect of this. So I'm going to kind of put the RV topic on the side for just a moment. There's been a couple of questions that have come in via email, and uh, also I want to reference the newsletter uh, and some of the points there. So first and foremost, uh, you sh- all of you listening today, please let me encourage you to have kind of a plan in your mind, even if you don't have it all figured out yet, as to how you're going to approach your auto deductions, or I should say this, your transportation deductions during the year. It may be a truck, it may be a car, it could be a lease, it could be a purchase, it could be something you already own. And of course, we're going to be talking about RVs here as well. We could even bring up motorcycles, um, fifth wheels. But here's the point. Have a plan in advance. It can save you thousands of dollars to just make sure you're calculating things properly throughout the year. Point number two. Mileage is probably the the most common deduction and probably, what, 90% of small business owners use as the primary method for deducting their, their transportation. Now, in the newsletter today, you're going to see the updated mileage deduction rates for 2015. So the business mile deduction for this year is 57.5 cents a mile, 23 cents for medical and moving, which are down a half a cent per mile, and then the charitable rates are 14 cents per mile. Uh, those that serve in their church or a nonprofit or me as a scoutmaster when I'm driving down the road. So keep in mind that there's three different primary mileages we want to write off, or I should even say four, medical, moving, business, and charitable. Ironically, the, the government actually increased the cents per mile deduction, even though gas costs have gone down, <laughs> which is huge. This is great. Now, don't be surprised if gas prices stay at this historic low for the next month or two, we'll probably see some IRS guidance or some sort of uh, alert or change in the mileage deduction because the deduction is phenomenal right now. So keep, just be cautious of that. And let me give you a quick example of what's kind of fun with this. Let's say, and I joke about this all the time, but for those of you that are gutsy enough to drive a Prius and you're getting 40 miles to the gallon or more, I know some of you out there in the 50 or 60 range, but let's say you're getting 40 miles to the gallon. That um, is now times, and, and, and that gallon of gas only cost you maybe $2. Of course, across the country, we're seeing areas where it's $1.75 to a two twenty-five all over the board, right? But let's say it's $2.00. So that 40 miles that you got to drive in your Prius only cost you $2 at the tank at, at the gas uh, station. Now, the deduction is 0.575 times 40 miles right now. So folks, that's a $23 deduction. 
you're getting a $23 deduction even though you only spent $2 in gas. Is that nuts? So that's why you can see the mileage deduction is where 90% of my clients are at. Now, just like on my consult that I had this morning with some clients, they'll say, well, how should I pay for my gas? Should I pay for it personally or should I pay for it in the business? Folks, really, I don't care. There's two schools of thought. Pay for all your gas, repairs, and tires, and maintenance, and Jiffy Lube, and oil, and filter, and tire rotation. Pay for all that out of your business. But at the end of the year, we as accountants are going to replace that with mileage. For those of you that um, want to pay for it personally, that's fine. Then we're going to book the mileage deduction on your business return. So you're going to get the mileage deduction, which is better than paying for it out of pocket. But I don't care if your business pays for it or your person pays for it. What's more important is at the end of the year, you can tell us what your mileage, your mileage usage was. So if you say, Mark, I burned 15,000 miles on my car or truck, I'll say, great, how many of that was business and how much of it was personal and how much of it was charitable and how much of it was medical and how much of it was personal. You've got to somehow break that down. Now, these new apps that are out for smartphones can track your mileage with GPS automatically every day by just the simple click of a button. Uh, at the bottom of the newsletter, you see the Mark Kohler app. I've got an app designed under Deductor. It's half the cost of the App Store. It's only 10 bucks a month. You can take pictures or receipts and track your mileage. If you want to go pick up that um, uh, app on your phone, click, go through the process on uh, the newsletter through the click, and it'll save you money rather than going to the App Store. And that's a great way to track your mileage. Uh, the first 30 days are uh, 30 days risk-free, so you can get your money back if you didn't like the app, but give it a try. So folks, track your mileage. Again, that's 90% of what people do. Pay for it personally, pay for it business. I don't care, but I need your mileage at the end of the year. Now, for those that have the trucks or the SUVs, it's very, very important that your business pay for all of the gas, repairs, maintenance, and this and that. And at the end of the year, in the first year that the truck or SUV is on your books, we're going to decide, should we write it off under actual methods and do the depreciation of 179 and write off the whole truck or the SUV or how big a truck is it? Is it six foot? I don't know. We can figure that out. Or do we do mileage? In the first year, you choose the method and then you're stuck with it for that car or truck or SUV for the life of that vehicle as long as you own it. So, with the actual method, I only care about that, folks, if you have a larger SUV or a truck that weighs 6,000 6, pounds or more. Now, I know this is a big topic. I've shot videos on this in the tax and legal video library, uh, sometimes re references the CFO in a box. I've got videos on YouTube. I've got a whole webinar on this if you're in the webinar series. Tomorrow night we have another monthly webinar that's on writing off education expenses. It's 20 bucks a month. You can tune into that. Um, I take a lot of time to prepare for that, so it's just a nominal cost. But there's more information out there that you can do to access to learn this. But, but uh, hopefully those general uh, uh, principles and, and explanations help. Now let me hit a couple questions that came in um, over um, uh, online here during the show uh, via email. This is from Alan. He says, Mark, if a vehicle is borrowed for the business – and I pay the owner some money to use their car, what is good, better, or best to record all the IRS information and write off the miles used? No depreciation or purchase or selling involved. So in this example, folks, Alan is just paying maybe a family member, friend, partner, and saying, hey, I'll give you some money every time I need to borrow your car for business. So that would be really an auto rent or auto lease expense. So Alan, every time you write that check, it's a deduction for you as an actual deduction for what you paid. You're not going to get the mileage deduction, but you're going to get the deduction for what you paid that owner. So think of your friend or family member that's loaning you the car. Think of them as Hertz. You're just, you're just paying Hertz or you're paying your friend. You just need to borrow a car. And then you can also deduct your fuel repairs and maintenance on top of that if you're covering those sorts of things for your friend. Um, there's a couple other questions here, but they're a little more involved, and so I'm going to reply to those separately than the show. I want to get to our guest today. Uh, we're going to run out of time if we don't. We've got still 20, 30 minutes to talk with him, but this is, this is a special guest uh, and a good friend, and I'm so excited that um, we can have him here on the show. He's been on the show once before, and for those that don't know Steve Anderson, he is the CEO and founder of RVIC, co-founder of Recreational Vehicle Inspection Connection. 
Uh, it's a company that trains inspectors to help those that are buying or selling RVs to know what you're getting. Think, uh, think of it like a home inspection, but you can become trained as an inspector to have a small business inspecting RVs. It's, and so those RV owners out there, it's a great way to make some extra money. He's also the president of Work Camper. Uh, it's a company that's been helping campers and business owners for years uh, use their RV to travel around the country, see the national parks, and get subcontractor jobs or W-2 paying jobs because they're in an RV. So there's, if, you, if you have an RV, Steve Anderson has all the answers. He knows it all. So <laughs> without any further ado, Steve Anderson uh, from uh, Heber Springs, Arkansas, on the road with us in his RV. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks. Terrific Tuesday. I'm talking to you from the Quartzsite Desert in a parking lot in an RV show with, they estimate, 150,000 people attending this thing this week. So it's pretty phenomenal. Wow. Wait, now, where's yeah. that? I thought it was Texas. Is it in Texas, or where's it at? This is Quartzsite, Arizona. It's roughly about 100 miles to the uh, west of Phoenix, and I'm literally in a parking lot. You're going to hear cars pulling in and out and diesel pushers firing up and all that good stuff, so please understand that's in the background. But, yeah, we're about 400 miles from L.A., just to give you an idea, on I-10 is where we're located. This is, it's it's literally, it's a hole in the wall on I-10 most of the year. You know, it's rattlesnakes and lizards in the summer, and there's they estimate over a million people in this valley during this time of the year. It's just, it's, it's the place to be if you want to talk to RVers, for sure. Well, <laughs> I, uh, you and I talked about this, this big show you were going to a couple months ago, and I didn't know exactly when it was, and ironically, the timing just worked out perfectly to give us a live report from Quartzsite, Arizona, and what's going on. So I'm so excited you're there. This is perfect timing. So now is it true that this is where they also have Coachella and you're going to be going to an ACDC concert tonight? Is that right? You're, uh, that's that, not on the agenda? I don't, I don't think that's on my calendar. No, I don't believe so. Kathy Joe uh, has other plans for me this evening back with Coach. So Okay. What, what, what about uh, Burning Man? Are you going to be running around naked in front of a fire tonight? None of that either. This is all about RVs. Uh, I just want to get the facts straight. This, this, yeah, yeah. this is a family family operation here, Mark. So, okay. Yeah, okay. Be on the up <laughs> all right. I love it. So if you own an RV or are thinking about owning an RV, you want to head to Arizona right now to be at this huge event. Okay. Now, okay, let me set the stage here. Um, folks, if you've ever dreamed of owning an RV um, – or currently own an RV, there's a great opportunity here to hit the open road, start a small business on the road, uh, get job uh, opportunities at national parks and Fortune 500 companies that have huge RV lots for transient uh, work opportunities. The list goes on and on. And so before we talk about inspection connection, Steve, tell us what you're doing at Work Camper and how people can get involved and understand what you're doing there. Tell, tell us what Work Camper, if I didn't describe it well enough, what the opportunities are for someone that owns an RV. Okay. Now you, you actually gave us a nice intro, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. For now, uh, we're in our 20th iteration. We've been assisting RVers who want to travel the country and help pace for some of those costs. You know, it's, it's not cheap to run an RV down the road with the fuel costs and the camping costs and those types of things. So what we do is we connect. Uh, we're a membership-based operation. We connect those members with rough, over 7,000 different employers around the United States that we work with that have learned about the work ethic and the opportunity of bringing work campers into their operation to help them mostly on a short-term type basis, could be as little as a month, could be as much as three or four months. It just depends. And it provides that RV or the opportunity to, one of my favorite phrases, is to experience America one job at a time and to earn money to help pay those fuel bills. Yes, they're down a little bit right now, but for your listeners out there that, uh, Mark, have never filled up the tank in a diesel pusher, a diesel pusher <laughs> is, an R, is, a, is a motor home with a diesel engine in the back end, you know, they hold 150 to 250 gallons of diesel. And when it's 4 bucks a gallon, it's a pricey fill. It really, really is. And, uh, and they get about eight miles to the gallon. So when you can have an opportunity to be somewhere, earn income, 
and have a uh, site provided for you where you're staying, you know, there on the property and so on. Uh, working as a work camper, it's it's phenomenal. It truly is. It, it's provided thousands and thousands of our members through the years the opportunity to, to experience the national parks as well as uh, uh, you know areas where they have families that they can travel to and so on. So it's it's a great thing. Uh, WorkCamper.com uh, is our website, and it's spelled W-O-R-K-A-M-P-E-R, and that's been our trademark now for a number of years. And so we encourage people to take a look at it and think about RVing. Well, what I've liked about this too, let me add a couple uh, third-party perspectives. I, I, ha- I do not own an RV. I've rented them a couple of times, and our family has just loved it. And Steve, we're in the market for this coming spring break. I think we're going to rent an RV, um, it, maybe even in the summer, and take our family on a little trip again. Um, but what's neat here, folks, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. All the work campers are probably laughing. You know, They can just see me out there emptying, you know, you know what, uh, with the hose but, um, uh, in my underwear. Kind of an Uncle Eddie type image. If, if, if any of you have seen that, that, that that's me. But um, I'll be out there with my wife, Peter Shirt, and Uncle Eddie. But, um, so what I was, but here's the thing that's fascinating, and I've had so many clients through the work camper family come into our family of tax and legal support is that they're able to get out of their brick-and-mortar home. Uh, So for those of you that have had a home that's built equity over the years, you need to downsize, you know that you don't need all that space, you've retired, why not sell the house, take the profits, invest in an RV, and save some of that, you know, the cost of the RV and the equity in your home. You're not going to be paying property taxes. You can really save on your out-of-pocket on an annual basis, harvest the profits in your primary home, Get in that RV and hit the open road. And as you're traveling around the country, network with a group like Work Camper where they can help line up work experiences in national parks, these Fortune 500 companies, all sorts of different work opportunities, even as an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. doing inspections or repairs and just doing what you love, selling jerky on the side of the road in a lawn chair. I don't care. <laughs> hit the open road with your RV. And we can deduct all the mileage generally because you're going from workplace to workplace. We may even be able to write off part of the RV depending on the type of RV you have. You may have a fifth whale. And tell us what a frog is. This is a, this is a new one for me, Steve. What's the frog? I, is it right? Am I calling it right? Uh, actually, it's a, you're close in the amphibious ranks. It's called a toad, which is a, a toad vehicle. Yes, a toad. It's just, it's, you hear people talk about a tow, and they've just kind of thrown it into a toad. So my toad vehicle is uh, being pulled by my motorhome. You know, yeah, I'm not going to live this one down. I'm already laughing over here. You don't even know, because the next RV group I go speak in front of, they're going to go, seriously, Mark, you called it a frog? I don't know, a frog, a toad. They're the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah, well, a frog's actually a group of people that get together for a big rally every year. That's that's another acronym that's out here in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's that, crazy. that is so it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, um, folks, if you have a question for Steve while we're talking here, type it on the chat line, send me an email, or give us a call at 646-200-4285. Um, now, with this work camper uh, experience again, there's um, an opportunity to network with those other people that are living on the road full-time, get an experience of how to maintain your RV, how to purchase an RV, how to save money with the RV, um, and the tax and legal strategies that come with it. And I get to speak at a lot of the work camper events throughout the year, and I've got videos that all work campers can to look at. Um, Steve, what, tell us a quick example of uh, maybe just a quick success story of someone that you've had that's used an RV as they've downsized their home and, and hit the open road and maybe made some money or took a tax write-off. I know you experience these stories every day, especially while you're at this huge event down in the desert. But give us a success story so people can kind of get their heads around this. Uh, we've had literally, uh, the show started this last Saturday, we've had hundreds of people coming up and telling us about thanking us for our for our business and for the publications and the information that we provide. What we hear so much is we hear a lot of people tell the story that, you know, they've lived the sticks and bricks, had the career all of their years of, of raising the family and all, all of that, and took vacations to all these different locations with their families. And, you know, when you go on a vacation, 
you go there and you're there a week or you're there maybe a couple of weeks if you're fortunate, and you get a flavor of it, but you don't really get to experience it. And that's what we're camping provides people and that's what we hear this this one couple that i was visiting with uh two days ago they were sharing how they never ever thought they would be able to actually go and stay in the yosemite area for a period of time and they were able to be in that area for a good three and a half almost four months and when you have that opportunity you don't just get to have the opportunity the experience of the beauty of the area, you get to know the culture, the people that live there. You end up learning about a lot of the things that the local people know about that the, that the travelers never, ever actually get to learn about. So it provides you the opportunity for it literally to become, you become a part of the community, but you also get to experience that environment. And that's what we hear so much about from these folks. They say, we've done vacations but we've never had the opportunity to actually get in and experience the area. And, you know, you know, we talk about beautiful places like Yosemite, but, you know, Mark, that could be Podunk Center or whatever. If there's family there, if there's, you know, whatever, they go there, they find opportunities that are close by uh, to work and to be there, and it gives them the opportunity to visit family as well as we've had people say, I've gone back and work camp in an area where I lived for years, and I learned about things I never knew even existed there. <laughs> this kind of blows you away when you think about it. But it's, it's a great opportunity for people to get out there and see the open road. And then, of course, you know, uh, as, as we're working with you and these folks, uh, we're providing them the opportunity to learn how to build a small business and operate that as they travel around the country, which opens up even more avenues for the possibilities for being able to deduct the cost of these travels and all that good stuff. It's It's so easy for me to segue into that mark because that's what you know we're so turned on about here and uh, when these people come up and talk to us and share their stories guess what i'm simply doing now i'm saying okay so how about a small business that you should be running while you're doing this and they go well i can do that too yes you can work <laughs> in the location have your site provided for a few hours a week and you can also run a small business right from your rig how great is that and so then we introduce them to some concepts that, uh, uh, thanks to you, we have a lot of great resources with your online library that we can turn them on to and, and help them learn. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I know you understand this, but your listeners, uh, many of them, they don't realize about the opportunities that the tax law provides us, and uh, especially in developing the small business that you're running mobily from the road. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it, Sorry. I, I know I you, you can just away. feel, yeah, no, and I can just feel the enthusiasm in your voice. I know that so many people, um, again, have really loved what you're doing and benefited from it. I, I would just um, throw out just one other example, and that is checking on your rental properties. Folks, if you have rental properties yeah. across the country, you're going to stop in and check on a fix and flip or a rehab. You can take the RV to that location, work on it for a couple of weeks, and then move on. And the RV becomes a business vehicle, which allows us to be more aggressive with the tax write-offs with an RV. And again, folks, I know those of you that out there that are uh, work camper students or RVIC students, you've seen the videos from me talking about the ability or inability to write off an RV when it's your primary residence. It's a little more challenging. But again, in some instances, folks, again, you're able to write off the RV when it uh, when you do have a brick and mortar home and you're hitting the open road to check on bu- properties, run your business, it's just exciting. So now, as we start talking about owning a small business on the road, uh, you recently just uh, co-founded uh, the RVIC uh, Real uh, Recreational Vehicle Inspection Connection. Uh, tell us what this is all about. This this new kind of family company, sister company to the family of Work Camper. Okay. Well, my partner, Terry Cooper, who's known as the Texas RV professor that you have met and gotten to know, uh, he is a master certified technician and has been involved in the RV industry for years in a different realm than what we have been for all of these years. And we started uh, communicating and working together a few years ago, and the need to have RVs inspected before they were purchased, especially the used market, was starting to grow and grow and grow, and he was hearing more and more of these horror stories of people buying RVs that were literally just pieces of junk, and they were investing their hard-earned money in these things, and the recourse to get it back out and and so on is is just a a very slippery slope. So 
we determined to, first of all, do it right. We looked at the home industry, the home inspection industry, and the first thing that we were advised to do from lawyers such as yourself as well as other individuals in the, in the industry was to set up an association to set the standards of ethics as well as the standards of practice to do an RV inspection by. And we did that first. That went into effect uh, the first part of January of 2014. And in the, at the summer of June of 2014, we started a business where we are hiring, excuse me, wrong phrase, we are contracting with individuals. Many of them were campers. Some of them aren't. They are what we call sticks and bricks, statically located individuals. And they are being trained through a series of training courses that we can get them through to learn how to do a, a very intensive inspection so that when our clients hire us to do an inspection, they know what they are investing their money in. And they're not putting their money into something that's going to be a money pit for them. And many of these folks, 40 to 50% of our folks, Mark, are going to be work campers out there traveling the country, which means we can have them do inspections in California if they want to be in the California area one part of the year. If they want to be in Florida, Another part of the year, we can move them over there because we have set up a national organization where our goal is to have 1,800 inspectors as part of the NRVIA by the end of 2015. That's, that's a fantastic goal that we're going to hit. And we're then going to be having many of them work in this company called RVIC, the RV Inspection Connection. A lot of them, you realize, you're going to get them set up with their business entities and they're going to develop their own inspection companies, and that's, that's awesome too. Because if you've been paying any attention, uh, the RV industry is just blowing through the roof. I mean, there is yeah. Yeah. the sales. Oh. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's absolutely it crazy. is nuts. Six, yeah, sixty-five percent of the RVs that are sold, Mark, are sold privately from one private individual to another. That means there's no dealer to give any type of analysis or anything about that RV, and that's where we are going to shine and help that individual that's buying that piece of used equipment and know what they're getting. That's what we're that's where we're really going to help the industry. Well, let me break this down for a lot of people listening uh, of what this means for the average. I'll just kind of take a layman's uh, uh, def- a description of what Steve's talking about here and kind of shorten it down a little because I, I know there's a lot there and it's so exciting. For those that are in the RV industry, you're, you know Steve's language and you're just picking it all up. But for some of us lay folks out there, um, what this means is let's say you're going to go buy an RV and you see one for sale on eBay or uh, on Craigslist, or it's a used one on, parked on someone's street, and you go start walking around this, you don't know what problems they've faced with this. You don't have any training on how to take care of it. What are, you, what are your options? So right now, if you go out and just start to look for a local inspector to inspect it for you and teach you, this, there's been no one out there until now. So over the last year and a half, as, as Steve and Terry have been building this up, there is now a resource. So, folks, I will just say this. Anybody listening now and you're thinking of buying an RV, this is who you can call right now, Our RVIC. Uh, email me. I'll send it along to Steve. Uh, and I know Steve will share his website contact information here shortly. But send him an email and say, hey, I need one of your inspectors. Have them stop by and show me what the heck I'm dealing with here and if this RV is a good deal or not. And, folks, there are so many stories I've already heard in the RV community of people buying RVs that had – horrendous problems, and they had no idea until they purchased and drove away. So it can be very, very dangerous. These are big investments. The second thing is, for those of you that have RVs and enjoy tinkering with it, and you're uh, kind of a pseudo repairman, and you kind of love your little RV, and you want to help others out there, and you're looking for a way to make some money and do an inspection for someone, one a week, one a day, one a month, make a few extra thousand dollars through uh, on a monthly basis, engage with RVIC. Find out, go to one of their training retreats, and it's a great small business. And, folks, I don't want you to think this is a, 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 an infomercial for, for Steve today on this radio show. What this is all about is, again, entrepreneurism and living the American dream. And when, if you've ever dreamed of hitting the open road with an RV, how can I do this and save money, save taxes, and make money? Guys, the equation is here, and that's the exciting part. Um, Steve, tell us maybe a quick example of a, an inspector that's already in your, uh, in your network that's had a success story as a small business owner um, doing an inspection. It, when they, maybe a year ago, they didn't even envision this was possible. 
Okay. Well, you you really hit on something that that made me think of a particular uh, scenario that's already happened with one of our inspectors. We, you know, a lot of people are buying this used equipment online, you know, off of eBay and Craigslist, and and they're buying these units sight unseen a lot of times. And we had a client in California who was purchasing a it's, it's what's called, it's a type of RV, it's called a Class C, which is the type of, it's a motor home that has the, kind of the normal truck nose on it with the two, two doors. And she was purchasing this Class C online from an individual in Florida. And she hired us, she hired RVIC to have one of our contractors go and do an inspection. We sent one of our inspectors in Florida to check this unit out. And, Mark, it was one of those bait-and-switch situations. And mm. what what had happened, this client later told us that this person had really put the pressure on her to send a large deposit before he would allow an inspector to come and take a look. She, she refused, and he allowed the inspector to come. And the inspector, first of all, it wasn't the unit that she had seen on eBay, and the piece of equipment that he had there for our inspector to look at was a piece of trash. And he had done a lot of things to mask a lot of problems the thing had. Uh, he escorted our inspector off of his property after about an hour because he knew the gig was up. <laughs> so, I mean, that, and, and you, I mean uh, yeah, and, and let me just interject. That, What's so sad here, Steve, let me just say this, is that he got rid of us, you know, you or your, one of your inspectors, and he got rid of this buyer. But we know a week later he sold it to someone else. Oh yeah, that's the sad part. That's the sad part. Yeah. See, we, it's the the message here is that it's it, it's so imperative that with the amount of money people are spending on this equipment, just like any more, I don't think most people buy a home without getting a home inspection done if it's a if it's a used home without a right. warranty on it. Yeah. So that's where this industry needs to go, and it's providing this great opportunity for people through RVIC or other uh, developing their own small businesses to become inspectors. They can do that. They can get that training through the National RV Inspectors Association and become their own business, set up their – you'll help them set up their in, their business entity and get them organized with their bookkeeping and all that good stuff because we need thousands of them out here. If this isn't something that just a few people can handle across the United States. It's, it's going to take an army, literally. And uh, the more of us that are out here doing this, the fewer stories like that you're going to hear. But you're right, Mark. There's still going to be people that are going to get stung, sadly. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. And I, I uh, for those out there that are budding entrepreneurs, and, and I'll, I'll summarize with this, is that if you want to turn your hobby into a business – and you love the RV industry, and you love what you, you love being around RVs. Why not share that passion and help inspect other RVs for purchase for buyers that are new to the industry, training them on how to use the RV, and making some great money in the process, providing an incredible service. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity to hit the open road, make money, save money. I love it. So I'm just grateful to have Steve here with us. So Steve live from the desert of Arizona, from the <laughs> largest RV show in the country, <laughs> running around as Burning Man fire. <laughs> so um, we've got two minutes left. Tell us some of the things that are going on down there at this huge RV show and the contact information so people can get a hold of you. Okay. Well, we have, uh, if you can imagine, a big top circus tent that is about the length of four football fields. Okay. That's that's what this environment is like here, and that doesn't. There are no RVs under that tent. They are all around us here, out in the lots and so on. That interior is just filled with vendors like us. We have a booth for Work Camper News. Uh, my daughter Jody is in there with a bunch of our Work Camper team, and they're talking and sharing the story. Uh, just right down the aisle from them, we've got some of our other clients that are right next to us. Uh, Amazon is one of our larger corporate clients that hires Work Campers. And uh, then we've got the booth for the RVIC folks, and I've got inspectors in there that are sharing the story uh, with the folks. So when they come up, they're hearing the story about NRVIA, and they're also hearing the story about RVIC. And what I encourage everyone to do is to check out the two websites, Mark. 
go to nrbia.org, it's an O-R-G, that's the association, and then come to rvinspection.com. And that will provide them with a ton of information. And uh, the best way for them to learn about it, and um, workcamper.com will take them to Work Camper News, and that will get them introduced to that. And we are excited for the future of what this can provide the small business community out there. That mobile entrepreneur, and you know how pumped I am about this because um, you have been so helpful and influential and, and uh, of great benefit to literally now the hundreds of folks that we've got involved in this inspection program. And as I've told you, Mark, hold on to your seat. We're just getting started. Oh, so exciting. Hold on to your seat, no pun intended, for you RV drivers out there. <laughs> Steve Anderson, Work Camper, RVIC, thanks for being with us. Be safe on the road. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Have a great one, everyone. Thanks. See you next week, folks. Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.